to gather together for chapel in the sanctuary every Wednesday and Friday morning for a time of corporate worship. A time that is set aside twice a week so we can worship God together as a community of faith. We worship through prayer, songs, and from hearing from God's Word. And yet we are first and foremost an academic community of faith. And it is important for you to recognize and hopefully appreciate that your time in the classroom is also an act of worship. The individuals you see sitting behind me are not members of the church choir. Those are not choir robes they are wearing. Rather, they are your professors who have been called and entrusted by God to teach, mentor, and disciple you. And those of us on the platform, may we view the students sitting before us not just as students, but also as souls entrusted to our care. So, being an academic community of faith, we start this first school day, this first chapel, recognizing that our educational journey is an act of worship. Let us not forget the words of Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Let us now stand together and affirm our faith by reciting the Apostles' Creed. We believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into the Hades. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and stood at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Church universal, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The pageantry of regalia represents a celebration of acquired knowledge and symbolizes our freedom to pursue learning. Today, our faculty are wearing robes that epitomize the democracy of scholarship. The wearing of our academic uniform covers our individual status and preferences to symbolize that we are all eligible to study, pursue research, and be assessed for what we know. Dating back to medieval times when studies were conducted in large rooms heated by fireplaces, robes were worn by teachers on a daily basis to keep the wearer warm and to denote the level of study completed. Those who had studied longer to attain a master's or doctoral degree wore warmer and more refined robes. Today, the robes, the cap, and the hoods are worn on important occasions in the academic year. The hoods are color-coded to indicate the academic degree which the wearer pursued, as well as the colors representing the university where the degree was conferred. On my book, the royal blue belt stripes on my sleeves and hood signify a doctoral degree. The light blue and white for the University of North Carolina are on the inside of my hood. You may want to talk to individual professors later to see the meaning of the colors on their regalia. At Eastern Nazarene College, you will see regalia used to begin the academic year, to commemorate Heritage Day during which we celebrate our college's history, and to celebrate our winter and spring graduations. Our commitment to treating these special days with regalia is to remind all of us 
that throughout the world the robe, cap, and hood are worn to represent ranks of scholarly pursuit. As a Christian college, we are proud of the academic rigor that connects us to other institutions of higher education. But we are confidently, we confidently affirm that our commitment to God gives us a sense of mission and purpose beyond the scholarly rank. Rather than a final destination or a point of selfish pride, our scholarly achievements and pursuits are an active form of worship. Our pursuit of both faith and knowledge yield wisdom and understanding of truth. Students, our faculty processed into worship today to demonstrate that while they have achieved important degrees, they are humbly and prayerfully offering up their talents and achievements to the Lord as an act of worship. May God bless the work of learning in all of our classrooms, sporting arenas, performance venues, and chapel services this year for His glory.
from the Lord. It's a great comfort to me to go back and read that. And some of you may be feeling that way today. There are some of you I've talked to you over the last two or three days who are already starting the semester, semester ready to soar with the eagles and right up above the rest of us. Some of you are so excited. You have plans and you are already working your plans and preparing to run for office. And that's great. That is just very exciting and we are excited that you are excited. There may be one or two of you out there today who's feeling a little overwhelmed already and you've only been to one class this morning and seen one syllabus and you're already feeling like it is an uphill climb and you need a little help. So this scripture is for all of us and um, today I want to talk to you a little bit about planning, preparing, pacing yourself and taking advantage of assistance along the way throughout this semester. I love the outdoors. I love being able to experience God's creation in the natural habitat. Now, nobody that knows me, my family, my good friends, or anybody else would consider me an outdoors person. I'm not in the best of physical condition. I'm not the best hiker. I could probably save myself in the ocean if the current wasn't too heavy or too strong. But I'm not a great swimmer. I can just get by. I'm not a great hiker, but I love to hike. I love the beach, I love the mountains, and I love the fact that I now live here on South Shore of Quincy where the beach is only two blocks away, depending on which street you take to the beach, and the mountains are not very far away. What a great privilege to be so close to both and be able to take advantage of that. Vacation for me this summer was in the Rockies. I quite often will take a couple of weeks somewhere on a beach and sometimes even by myself. I like to just be able to regroup and to sleep and to walk and to think, to pray, to read the scripture, to be alone with God. This year was a little bit different. I discovered that I was going to be in Colorado for a meeting and my nephew and his family were going to be about 30 minutes away in Breckenridge for their family vacation and they had a three bedroom cabin that they had rented. And it was about the same time so we decided that we would coordinate our schedules and I would vacation with them. Well there are four of them. There's an eight-year-old boy named David and a four-year-old girl named Kate. And vacation with an eight-year-old and a four-year-old is a little bit different than my typical vacation alone on the beach somewhere. But it was quite fun. They had been there for a few days and already had a head start by the time I finished my meeting and joined them. And they're hikers, and all four of them, including the four-year-old, are in better physical condition than I am. Maybe because she's four, but I don't think that's the, the total reason. So note to self here many times as I am going through this with you today. One of my goals is I'm going to be much more diligent this year with my exercise plan as we go throughout the year. And maybe you should look at that too, if, if you have some of the same issues that I have. They love to hike and they had already been on several hikes when I arrived and they were anxious to tell me about those. So on, I arrived one evening and on the next morning after a while it was raining and the rain slacked up a little bit and we decided that, that we better go while the rain uh, had stopped. And we started on our hike. We were going to be gone for a little while, so we had taken our sandwiches and picnic. And if you ever noticed that when you're there and there's not even a picnic, 
towel or whatever you have with you, or just find a tree stump to sit on. The sandwich actually tastes better, and the water just is better. Everything is just better. You're caught in the middle of God's creation, natural areas, and it was just a great type of thing. The kids enjoy the picnic too, but as any eight-year-old little boy would do, there was a stream nearby, so he finished his sandwich and chips fairly quickly, and he made his way over to the stream. Now, I don't get to be with David and Kate very often. They live in Nashville, Tennessee, and I see them a few times a year, and so as any great aunt, and I am his great aunt, so I guess you could call me his great, great aunt, whatever. I love being with him, and I love being with his little sister Kate. I don't even mind it at 6 o'clock in the morning when she comes into my room and she's not supposed to and kind of scratches me on the back and says, are you away? <laughs> it's okay. I wouldn't want to do that every day. Send them back home with their parents, but it was wonderful. And I enjoyed that. So I quickly finished my sandwich and I made my way over to the stream where Davis was. And he very quickly saw me coming and he reached out his hand and he said, Aunt Corliss, walk across the rocks with me. Now, when I walk across the rocks, I do it like what he would call an old person. And I very carefully take my steps. My arms are kind of out like this so I can try to balance. So if I start following one direction, I, I have a way to do it. You would think I was on a balance beam, except not trained to be on a balance beam. But that's not how an eight-year-old crosses the street. He's not afraid of the falling in the water. And in fact, that would be just a nice little added surprise if he fell into the water. He's not bothered by the fact that it's cold and it's cold outside. So he just takes off across the rock, and this particular eight-year-old is very sure-footed. He just seems natural at it. He reached out his hand, and my first instinct is to say, no, I can do it myself, and that lasted about half a second while I realized that I was overcome with the emotion because I had the opportunity to take his hand and go across that stream with him. You would think that as wobbly and uncoordinated as I am, that I might make him wobbly. But I don't know why it happened this way, but what actually happened was he steadied me. And we went across, and it was pretty easy for me to just follow him across the rock. Neither one of us fell in. And it was a great experience. Just the day before that, we had been on a hike, and we had walked all the way up and around and slowly made our way up around the stream and little ponds that were um, caused by the, the stream. Saw the beaver dams and saw some of the animals around. And as we walked up and around, we were headed toward an area that was higher. And it was actually a man-made dam. And you could tell, even though you couldn't see on the other side of the dam, that there was a reservoir and there was a lake on the other side. And we took quite a while to wind our way around. We walked across the man-made dam, that little bridge. We looked back over the valley, saw the stream going down through the incredible expanse of, of mountains and enjoyed that. And the kids, of course, like kids do, they threw rocks in the water. And we got to the other side, which looked like a dead end. There wasn't a trail anywhere. So you would think, well, naturally, you just kind of walk back across the way you came, but I could see what was happening in their minds. 
all four of them. There was this rock embankment that if you went down this rock embankment, you would end up right in the parking lot where our car was. Or you could walk all the way back around for about 20 or 30 minutes and get to the parking lot. They were sizing me up trying to figure out, there they asked me about going down the rock embankment. And of course, I didn't want to say I couldn't do it. So I'm like, sure, I can do that. And we started down the rock embankment. Now again, the kids just kind of ran down. And so did Janie, my nephew's wife, who was in excellent condition. She actually had, had even ran part of the way up the, the trail that we had just come up. You might want to remember just in thinking about my poor condition that we also were at very high elevations where the air was very thin and I was not used to it. Breckenridge is about 9,600 feet. The cabin where we were staying in the woods was about 10,000 and some of these trails were about 11,000 and, and 12,000. The kids acclimated fairly quickly. I still was not acclimated at the end of the week. So at this point in time, they just kind of run down. My nephew is really cool in a whole lot of ways, but in this particular way, he was really careful in how he approached me, thinking that you know I might be a bit offended or feeling bad that I couldn't keep up with the rest of the family. And so instead of making a big deal out of it, he just kind of hung back so that he was close to where I was. And he just kind of reached back and held his hand out so that once again, I could take his hand and go down the rock. And I easily and thankfully took his hand and we went down the rock. Now I could have made it down the rock. I would have probably taken longer and I would have probably lowered my center of gravity so that I was sort of sitting and sliding at points in time rather than just walking down, but it was nice to have a helping hand. When I'm hiking, I am not the leader. I'm not sure why they keep asking me to go along, but I need someone else to be the guide. I need someone else to be the expert. And I need to kind of step back a little bit sometimes and swallow my pride and be able to take an outstretched hand that is there to help me move down the mountain. These days with my family were fun. It's fun to be with family. It's fun to be with kids. It's fun to have those experiences. And they sort of reminded me of a couple of my infamous hikes when I was in Switzerland. And I won't bore you for a long time with those, but just a couple more examples from my wonderful hiking days. On this one trip, a group of friends had started on a trek down through Italy, and our first stop was in the Dolomites, which are part of the Alps, which is in northeastern, the northeastern corner of Italy. Incredibly beautiful area. And there were three of the group that had decided that we were going to go on a hike. They had invited me to go along, and I said I would go. So we had packed our backpacks. We thought it was going to be about three or four hours. It was really more like six or seven. But we had sandwiches, and we had water, and we had things that we might need along the way. Each one of us had our pack. We got there, and John and I were just kind of along. We had packed our backpack, but that's all that we had done, because we knew that Dean had looked at all of the trail maps, and he had planned the trail out. He had planned it with me in mind so that when we got to the beginning of the trailhead, 
we could see the trail that wound slowly and easily up the mountain to a peak over here. And you almost get to the, the peak before you start going over and in and around again. It was a medium difficulty and we were pretty sure that I could do it. But before we set foot on the trail, all three of us kind of looked to the left. And there was this trail that went straight up the mountain. It looked steep, but it didn't look too steep. It was the beginning of the day. I thought I could do it. Once again, I know what they're thinking. They want to go straight up the mountain. And as we looked at the trail map, you could tell that on the other side of that peak, this particular ridge was very wide. It wasn't like the mountain peak that just goes straight up like this. It kind of went all the way across. And just on the other side of that ridge, there was a trail that went all along that back side. So if we made it up this first trail that was sort of steep, then we could walk for an hour or two along that trail on the other side. And we could just imagine, because we had seen some of these apps, what that awesome view was going to be on the other side. In the song we were just singing, How Great They Are, it talked about the awesome mountain grandeur and the streams. This is what it's talking about. It's incredible creations of God. So I said, let's do it. We'll go. Started out, didn't pace myself particularly well, but slowly began to slow down. They could see me at every point. There are no trees. I could see them, so there wasn't any danger of me getting lost or them getting lost from me. And so I would stop every once in a while and just catch my breath, wait for a minute, and then I would go again. And I would stop more often and more often and more often. Now, the other fact that I didn't tell you is one of these guys was 6'2", and the other one was about 6'5", or 6'6", which means that I was taking two or three steps for every one step that they took. Okay, so that's not really the reason I was behind. But anyway, <laughs> after just a few minutes, we were about half or two-thirds of the way up. John realized he was watching that, that it was getting more and more difficult for me, so he kind of came back down, and he said, Corliss, let me take your backpack. Well, if you're going to go hiking, you're supposed to carry your own backpack. I mean, that's just a rule, isn't it? If you can't carry your own backpack, you probably shouldn't go. And so and that was a little bit difficult for me to give him my pack. I mean, because I wanted to prove that I could do it. Well, he already knew that I was struggling. They could see that I was struggling. And I slowly took it off and gave it to him. And sure enough, there was a lighter load along the way. I was still slow, but I made it to the top. And along the way, um, after we got to the top, the view was even more incredible than we could have ever imagined. He quickly gave my pack back to me at the top, and I carried it the rest of the day. Sometimes slowly, but always carrying my own pack the rest of the day. We ended up going downhill for a really, really long time. And I realized as we had, were going downhill that the downhill was much more difficult than what I had thought. There was a lot of stress and strain. And when I got back to the office the next day, I talked to my Dutch friend, Anthony Holloman, who is a real hiker and mountain climber. And I said, I was kind of surprised that it was as difficult to come down as what it was. And this is what he said. 
demanding on the muscles and requires you to be in good shape. But apart from this, it is easier. Going up does not look as dangerous as going down because of the difference of perspective. You have better control over the movement of your legs because you're going slower, and it does not wear that much on the knees. Besides, most accidents actually happen going down. It's also better for the body to first go up and get the muscles warm and smooth than to start with going down first because the muscles are not yet warmed up and the shocks of your body of going down increase the possibility of injury. This is what he says. If I have the choice of either hiking up and taking the cable car down or taking the cable car up and hiking down, I will choose the first. But of course that means that you have to be in good enough physical condition to do that hike uh, rather than taking the, the cable car. He says having a balance between going up and down is preferable. You can go up and then down and then up and then down, that would be really great. But most trails aren't equally balanced, just like life is not equally balanced with the ups and the downs. As the faculty presents in today in their beautiful academic regalia, I was the leader, sort of anyway. We had flags in front and we had marshals in front. But as we led the line, then I and Dr. Wooster, as the dean of the college, led the faculty and the administrators in. And they followed. You probably noticed that. Now, sometimes they don't follow as joyfully, as eagerly as they did today. And they're behind me, so I can't see them. But maybe there's a little smile on somebody's face when I say that. But <clears throat> there are expectations and responsibilities that go along with that. They don't expect that I'm just going to lead the academic procession in. They expect that I'm going to plan and that I'm going to be prepared and that I'm going to keep up with what's going on in higher education that affects Eastern Nazarene College. They expect that I'm going to pace up so that we can keep up with what we are trying to do. They expect that sometimes when they bring a wonderful new idea that I'm going to say no. And they may be a little bit sad about that or even a little bit upset, but they also know that they're going to be a lot more upset if I say yes to every good idea and we are going in so many different directions that we don't do anything well. There are expectations and responsibilities that go along with being a leader. I am dependent on the faculty and staff here if we're going to accomplish our mission. I don't do most of the day-to-day -day work. They do, and I'm very grateful for their expertise. The academic regalia that you see the faculty wearing today is one evidence of their preparation. It shows the many years that they have spent planning, studying, preparing, giving up some things along the way so that they can do that, sometimes needing an encouragement and assistance from either one of their friends, one of their professors, or someone along the way. They know what it means to feel like it is an uphill battle and to need someone along the way to say, what can I do to help you with that? 
It's an act of stewardship on their part, as Dr. Wooster has already mentioned, and Dr. McPherson, and an act of worship in our stewardship to God of the wonderful mind that he has given us and he has given you. They have put together a plan for a course of study, and you may have seen a couple of those this morning. There really is rhyme and reason to that. They have tried to take that out so that you can accomplish it over the, the course of the semester. There also is a curriculum that builds on each other. So if you're a freshman, there are courses that you need to take that prepare you for the sophomore year and the junior year and the senior year. And even our general education curriculum is built that way. So that as you go through the gym ed curriculum, you are prepared for that living issues class that you're going to take with Dr. Stevenson in your senior year where you're going to look at some of the really challenging questions in life and be prepared to talk about those. That will take planning and discipline on your part. And part of what that means is that you're going to have to forego something in order to be prepared. This morning I was up very early, as I am on many mornings, but especially on today. And one of the things that I was doing this morning is praying that as I was speaking to you, that the Lord, as that scripture in Isaiah talks about, would sort of provide the wind beneath the wings and lift me in such a way that what the words that I had to say to you would communicate something that was meaningful to you. As I came out the door, I was very, very organized. I had everything that I needed for today. I walked out, got almost to my car in the garage, and I started to click the button that would unlock the door, and my hand was as empty as it is right now. The one thing I had forgotten was my keys. Now you need to know that my door to the condo locks automatically and that's really nice because I never have to worry about whether or not it's locked. But that also means that you probably ought to have your keys when you walk out the door and it locks automatically. I've done this enough times, unfortunately, that I know that there's a risk that I'm going to do it. And it has caused a few people some time and aggravation and energy to come and help me. And it has caused me a lot of aggravation. And so I've learned that usually I have my purse with me. And so I just put an extra set of keys in my purse. And so this morning I had that extra set of keys with the door key. And I just went back up and got it. That in itself takes planning and preparation. When you know what some of your weaknesses are. Some of you may need to plan that after dinner, you don't start that video game because you're not going to be able to quit for five or six hours until you go to the library first and do that. There are people to help you with all of these sorts of things, but when you start that paper at midnight, there's not going to be a librarian in the library. There's not going to be a tutor and a center for academic support. And it wouldn't be a wise idea to call the faculty member and let them know that you had just started on that paper that is due the next morning. And you don't want to yield to the temptation to just take one off of the internet because they have access to those two. <laughs> so planning, preparing, discipline, and it's just as true in your spiritual life and in your relationship with God. As Chaplain McPherson said this morning, we're going to be here for chapel on Wednesdays and Fridays. 
He goes to great lengths to plan meaningful times of worship for our community on these two days. But these two days of worship are not enough for you to really build a relationship with God so that you can depend on the Lord in the times when that struggle is a little deeper than what you're capable of doing. One of our campus goals this year reads like this. We will endeavor to live out the ministry of presence as disciples of Christ, as encouraged by 1 Thessalonians 5.11. I'm going to read that to you, and the version I'm reading from is the paraphrase version in the message, and this is what it says. So speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope so you'll be together in this. No one left out. No one left behind. I know you're already doing this. Just keep on doing it. As you leave today, there will be people stationed at the doors that will have cards with this verse printed on it. I hope you won't just throw it away. I hope that you'll put this in a place where you see it often and that it will be a reminder to you that every single one of us needs to be encouraged at some point. Go today with the knowledge that you are not alone in your journey. Speak words of encouragement to each other, knowing that we each are leaders in different ways and at different times. Any good leader has to know when to be a follower, when someone else has more expertise than they do. And that is part of being a good leader, to be a good follower. Build hope in each other and watch to make sure that no one around us is left behind. And may the Lord bless you in this most exciting semester and in your journey here at Eastern Nazarene College. As we close this first chapel of the new year, hear these words of benediction from Ephesians. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen. Go in the grace and peace of